Hi fellow album divers, Trevor here. And before we jump into our deep dive for this episode, I wanted to take a moment to let John and Harrison tell you about their podcast called Play Disc. Check it out. Hi, I'm John, an amateur musician and dad. And I'm Harrison, his younger brother and a recovering know-it-all. And we host a podcast called Play Disc. John is open-minded and well-versed in music theory and composition. And Harrison is extremely online and reflexively contrarian. Hey, I'm not reflexively contrarian. Every other Tuesday, we host a discussion on a different full album showcasing our contrasting energies and our idiosyncrasies, like John tying everything back to the Beatles or Harrison insisting everything is a ska song. Play Disc is available anywhere you get podcasts from. New episodes every other Tuesday. Catch Catch you on on the the B-side. If you can't get enough of music analysis or just need something to fill the long void between our episodes, check out Play Disc wherever you get your podcasts. Now on to the show. Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers. I'm Trevor. And I'm Shane. On this podcast, we take turns choosing albums to discuss and review. One of us chooses an album from this calendar year, and the other chooses an album that's been around a while. But we won't be doing it alone this time. We're fortunate enough to have the artist himself along for our deep dive of his debut album. Billy, why don't you let our listeners know what we will be discussing today? Yeah, my name is Billy Shields, and we're going to be talking about my debut album, Wherever Bound, that was released in March 2020. Piece of land, I'ma make that lot my home. I'm talking down by the river, on the coast, straight the city for the trees. When I left that life by the side of the road, I took my van with me, and I ain't in no rush to climb that mountain up onto its peak. Cause I know when I get there, I'll settle somewhere. But now I'm by this creek, and it's been flowing. Billy, thank you so much for joining us. This is a fun opportunity to get to talk about the album and have the person that created it here in front of us. It's an honor to be here. Really nice to be with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Before we ask you some questions about your musical background, I was trying to remember how the three of us connected. Do you remember? Yeah, absolutely. I remember specifically being on the podcast app on my phone, typing in the words Jason Isbell, uh, your podcast album divers. It was one of the first ones that I saw that had him as a topic. So being a huge fan of his, I obviously downloaded it and listened to the entire two and a half hours. <laughs> But yeah, I think that what you both are doing is very important as far as looking at lyrics in in depth. It's not something that's done a lot, as far as I know, in the podcast world. And I think it's really important and just awesome. Like, I love that idea of breaking down songs. Lyrics to me are the most important thing. I think that what you're doing is very important. So when I saw that you were both breaking down one of my favorite musicians, I was very excited. Uh, I reached out on Facebook when I saw that we were all part of the same lyric discussion group. And I remember, you know, just reaching out saying I loved your podcast. I I told you I had an album coming out soon. Not really expecting a response, but I got one and glad I did because now here we are. You should feel really special because we get hundreds of musicians sending us their no i'm just kidding no but um to get yours and i say initially it was something that i was like oh cool i'll get to listen to that and 
once I did, I was texting Shane going, hey, man, we should try to see if this guy wants to talk with us. Glad you guys like it. Not to keep talking about uh, Jason Isbell, but one thing that I really liked about this particular interview we were talking about that we had all watched was when he said that he writes music to be listened to. And I've always kind of thought that I did too. My music is not necessarily danceable or something to be listened in like a big group of people as background music. I put a lot of effort into the lyric writing, the song writing. You're totally right. I think the average person is more so interested in in the vibe and in the, in the beat and how it makes them feel, but not many people really care about the lyrics. And to take that a step further, I don't think there's very many people out there who will go look at an entire album and look for the concepts and themes and, and really try to put themselves in, in the shoes of the artist and where they're coming from. I'm really happy you both do that. Billy, can you take us kind of from the beginning in terms of just a little bit about you, where you grew up, what got you into music, and give us a little bit of background on Billy Shields. Sure. Yeah, I'm from a small town in Connecticut called Brookfield. It's about an hour and a half from New York City. Lucky enough, my Aunt Molly, when we were little kids, she bought my brother and I our first instruments. I got a a drum set, and he got a trumpet. Not too long after that, we both traded. He wanted the drums, I took the trumpet. You know, pretty early on, we were very loud in our house, (laughs) you know, (laughs) luckily my parents were always supportive of us and we always had our kind of like little setup in the basement and we always just kind of were playing music. My friend Dave, he got me into the guitar. He was always like, in my mind, like this guitar virtuoso, like as a young person, you know, and he's the one that kind of inspired me to pick up the guitar. How old were you at that point? I was probably 15, I think. I took guitar lessons for like a year, but it got to a point where I could just teach myself more than the teacher was, you know, leading on to. But at the same time, I was also really into musical theater, which seems like a lifetime ago now, but I learned a lot from that as far as like, you know, being on stage. Uh, I, I did take like voice lessons for a little while. And I think, you know, a lot of the times people tell me my voice sounds different singing as it does speaking, but I get it, you know, I, I don't know. That's just kind of how I learned. I think I learned because of my music theater background. Um, But at the same time, I was always really into indie music and folk music, and I stuck to guitar. I was always way more into acoustic guitar. I always thought, I was always, I don't know, I was always more interested in the roots kind of music, like the acoustic sound, and um, that probably is partly because uh, I was told in the beginning, acoustic guitar is harder to play on your fingers than electric guitar is, so you should start with this, you know? Right, yeah. So I, I just did, and then I just kind of, I played electric guitar here and there. I recorded some, like, you know, experimental, like, ambient albums back in the day but at the end of the day I love playing acoustic guitar for people especially as someone who does travel a lot it's the easiest instrument to carry around you're not lugging around amps and pedals and you know all that stuff I think it was 2007 my freshman year of college is the first time I wrote a song what was that song about that song was called John Steinbeck <laughs> all right all so, right yeah but, uh, it's about the grapes of wrath yeah, exactly. Nice. Back then, I was really inspired by like Regina Spector. I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. Regina Spector yeah. and um, yeah. Kimya Dawson and uh, Devendra Banhart, who still to this day is one of my all-time favorites. Um, but yeah, we got to do all... Cripple Crow for a oh on yeah. One day. yeah. I would love to be on that album uh, talk because yeah. I that's like one of my favorite. Al- I mean, I have one. This is a drawing of his on my wrist that I have oh, tattooed, wow, okay. and I have yeah, one nice. on my leg as well. Yeah, um, sweet. Yeah, we'll bring you back for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that you did some community theater going back to childhood, junior high, high school years. Were you involved in in choir and band? 
I did a little bit of band. I mean, t going back to when I, you know, the trumpet, that was l very early in my life. But after that, it mostly became about, I befriended um, uh, someone in the technical theater world. So lighting and sound, we just became good friends. At first I, s I started as just like a lighting guy, but started realizing that the people up on stage looked like they're having way more fun than we were. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think my first couple of shows I did there was a short stint as me as Rafiki in The Lion King in fourth grade. But other than that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. no, um, going to yeah, high school, you know, we did just Hello, Dolly. Just, yeah, you know, just the one. standard kind of musical theater shows. And then my friend who was the lighting guy, he also had this gig at the community theater in my town. So not too far after that is when I became pretty involved in the community theater. It's called the Brookfield Theater for the Arts in Brookfield, Connecticut. And soon those people became my family. I mean, literally, like I was there as much as I was at home, more probably. And soon I fell into the theater world and it was just this like awesome experience to like work on something as a team. The acting is one thing, but then there's the dance numbers and, the, you know, there's like the singing and the harmonizing and like not many people actually know this about me probably, but I was really into theater so much so that at this point I've probably seen over like 150 Broadway shows. Wow. Um, Wow. You know, my parents took me at, you know, I remember my first show was Les Miserables. That's my favorite. The mm -hmm. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. 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 Uh, when I was like seven, as I got into college, that kind of phased out. I went to a very musical theater incorporated school. It was basically like Glee, you know, like no joke, like going to school in Manhattan, <laughs> nice. you know, um, everyone wants to be on Broadway. Everyone is, you can't tell if people are actually mad or if they're like acting in the hall, <laughs> everyone's singing and breaking down. Like, so I don't know. I, and all my, and I was going to get into this also, but all the people that recorded with me on this album were my old, a lot of them were my old bandmates and they were all uh, when okay. I was in college and a lot of mm -hmm. them were all music theater majors. So that's where a lot of those harmonies come from. And yeah, you some know, beautiful harmonies. Thank you. Yeah, they're all just super talented. They were my roommates in, in college. Like, I was lucky enough to fall into that crew. Was there a point in your life, a, a transition where you started to think that music could be more than a hobby? Yeah, I mean, guitar, you know, writing and playing guitar is always my number one mode of expression, for sure. If I see, a, like, a kid with a guitar, I'm like, keep doing it, man. Like, seriously, you know, because you're going to be really happy that you have this form of expression in years to come. Everyone probably for the most part has some mode of getting their emotions out. Lucky for me, I, w I, had, I had a father who was an English teacher and a writer. So he always was definitely making sure that, you know, our homework's getting done. We're not cutting any corners as far as, you know, our essays that had to be written. And he was always on top of us. Um, and at the time it was kind of a pain in the ass, hmm. but looking back on it, that helped me becoming someone who can get their thoughts out on paper. So I don't know. I think that was always just as as the biggest part of me was music. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have very many other skills in many other yeah. places. So for me, yeah, it was yeah. like, this is what I want to do. This is, I know what I feel I need to do for myself. And if other people like it, that's great, you know, but this mm -hmm. is like literally what I need to, I need to do. Otherwise I'm going to like implode. Yeah. yeah. The, li the life that chose you, right? Yeah. Another Isabel yeah. reference. You yeah, that's right. <laughs> born into it that's with right. your dad being a writer and probably at an early age, making you pay attention to grammar and detail and punctuation and get getting your your thoughts on paper i thought it was really intriguing when when uh, the three of us facetimed a while back just to chat about ideas on this this podcast i think you had stumbled over your thoughts or whatever you were trying to say and you kind of made a joke like you know that's that's why i write music because sometimes it's hard to get those <laughs> yeah, words right. out right away like in the moment 
So if you yeah. can if you can sit down with a pen and paper and really think about what you're trying to express and put it yeah. in, into into words, I think that that's a, a sign of somebody who's a deep thinker who has a lot going on in their head because you know simple people can say what's on their mind pretty easily because you know there's not much to it. But right. if if you're somebody who thinks and sees the world from from many different angles and and you're passionate about life and your experiences and all that, then sometimes you do have to sit down with your thoughts for a while. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you take the time to do that and uh, make music because it turns out great. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, I've definitely never been one for public speaking or, uh, you know, just even articulating my thoughts at all on an inter interpersonal basis. <laughs> so I think like, yeah. um, even if you're someone like that, you still feel the need to express yourself, right? And whether or not it's mm -hmm. through speaking or writing or art or painting or whatever the hell it is. Right. Like if, once you can find that thing that you actually are decent at, you know, you kind of tend to focus on that and improve upon it. I mean, whether or not people acknowledge it or appreciate it, you know, it, it just goes back to it's feeling the need to do it for yourself. You know, you said you, you wrote your first song when you were in college. Yeah. What did you graduate with in college? I was a communications, funny enough, a communications major. Right, I had a yeah. bachelor's in communications. Um, and I also studied uh, Eastern religions and environmental science as minors. Uh, actually, immediately following college, I got a job with Greenpeace, the nonprofit environmental group. And that kind of furthered my uh, skills with communications. I mean, literally stopping people on the street and, you know, within 30 seconds of getting to know them, getting them to give us their credit card number for donations. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so Greenpeace is actually the reason I moved to California in the first place. They brought me to Orange County to help turn around an office there which i was thrilled about i mean living in gloomy new york city the thought of sunshine and palm trees in southern california every day wasn't so bad so i was like yep i'll take it everyone thought i was crazy i moved there with six hundred dollars they're like you can't just move to california with six hundred dollars i was like watch me yeah <laughs> and you know I'll figure point, it out yeah at this point it's been eight years so I'm not i mean i'm not there currently but you know i'm still that's kind of been my home base uh Northern California has been my home base for the last seven of those eight years. Where did you initially go in Southern California? I initially moved to Huntington Beach in Orange County, and then I spent most of my time in Costa Mesa nice. and LA, downtown like LA area. actually as well. Yeah. Mostly Orange County, but I there was I did spend a um, pretty decent amount of time, not a long, long time, but in LA as well. I kind of fell into a uh, an internship with one of my favorite or two of my favorite record labels owned by the same couple at the time. One of my biggest hobbies was always just kind of scouring the internet for like the most obscure music blogs and like Devendra kind of coined that term like naturalismo or freak folk movement, like psychedelic folk music. Um, and I, after hearing him, I was like, I wonder how weird music goes because hmm. he's pretty weird. But I was like, I bet it gets even weirder, you know, so I, yeah. I spent a lot of years just trying to find the weirdest stuff like on these like weird Russian blogs and weird forums down that, the rabbit hole of exactly music. And, you know, over in my search and my findings there, I started realizing that the record label that pop started popping up the most that had all of my favorite releases on it was this label called Not Not Fun, who was at the time owned by a couple named Britt and Amanda Brown. And I guess long story short, start some correspondence with Britt. And he and I kind of had this back and forth through email. And at first I couldn't believe I was talking to him. I'm like, whoa, this is the guy from Not Not Fun. About a year goes by, I'm moving to California with Greenpeace. I message him again, like, I don't know if you remember, you probably don't. I'm moving to Southern California. 
I know you guys are in LA. I'm wondering if you're ever if you're ever looking for help. I would love to work for you guys. You're like my favorite label ever, you know? He messages me back saying they're they don't have any paid positions, but they're always looking for interns. So one day my boss at Greenpeace lets me use his car and skip out of work to go up to LA <laughs> just to meet them. To this day, we're still like, uh, some, he's one of my best friends. Mm. He's kind of introduced me to a lot of those guys and all the artists from those labels in LA. And whenever I go back down there, it's always just like, it's always great to see those guys. And so, yeah. No, um, that's really interesting. I'm glad you, I'm glad you yeah. told that. I can check out that <laughs> record label for sure. They're, they're very weird, like, like noise and drone and like nothing like I do, but I was always super into that kind of music too. I used to record some of that stuff or I used to try to at least. You mentioned a, a few of the artists that have inspired you over the years that you were listening to a lot uh, when you were younger. Are there any other bands uh, that you want to mention as an inspiration for you becoming an artist yourself or potentially the songs on this album that we're going to discuss today? As different as we are, Eminem was always, you know, even though we speak about very, very different things, <laughs> he was always someone I respected as a writer. Sure, yeah. You know, just hearing the story of him dropping out of high school and just sitting at home every day and reading the dictionary over and mm -hmm. over and over. And you could tell he's just a brilliant writer. Um, Green Day was always someone I respected in the sense that they could create super simple songs that yeah. all sounded unique. You know, I mean, at this point, every chord progression has been used. If you can write a very simple three or four chord song in a unique way, that's really impressive to me. But after that, it became like, like I said, Regina Spector and Kimya Dawson to me were super weird and kind of just always attractive to me and after that became like Devendra Banhart and the weirder kind of folk psychedelic earthy music I was really into I can't get through this podcast without saying it you know Grateful Dead's been a big part of my life yeah <laughs> nice a lot of the people who I'm consider some of my closest friends I've met from that world which is a mm -hmm. very large one their music also is very uh, attractive to traveler types adventurous types of people i mean that's how that's their legacy yeah yeah forever so um nice you know and also just a lot of bluegrass and folk music pine grove i've been having on repeat lately um, their new album that you guys also did a whole breakdown of which was awesome by the way thank you i've been really inspired by singer songwriters and um, just adventurous music for the most part one of the things i think we're really interested in talking to you about is that sense of adventure that you have Tell us about your travels and, and when you started going out on the road and some of the things that we'll get into when we talk about this album. The starting point here is probably leaving Southern California and heading up to Humboldt County in Northern California, about four hours north of San Francisco on the coast, the heart of the Redwoods. And what kind of led to that was um, Orange County is kind of, it's kind of just a, a, a very normal grind. <laughs> you know, there's just, you're just surrounded by blacktop and stores and Mm -hmm. Yes, also palm trees in the ocean, and it's beautiful, especially coming from the East Coast. But after a while, I was sitting in a telemarketing office with my couple good friends, just wondering what the hell we were doing with our lives, just calling people who didn't want to talk to us on the phone, trying to sell some bullshit product that probably didn't even work. <laughs> Keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, at that point, I had been to, I've done, I'd, I'd already done a few month-long road trips around the country with some of my friends who were actually on this album. Even my first time ever going to Humble, I was destined to live there at some point in my life. Like it was just, yes, I found it, you know, that moment. So after like a year of, you know, just these very normal mundane jobs in Orange County, I finally convinced my friends, my roommates, 
let's just get fired so we can get unemployment and we'll get food stamps and we'll go up to the, <laughs> the redwoods and we'll live in a tent until we find work on a farm you know yeah. and that was our plan like literally on awesome. my birthday in 2012 we moved out of the apartment so yeah you know i moved up there and not I mean, pretty much immediately found work on a farm. And that was the night that like my whole world kind of changed, like just seeing the majesty of being an hour and a half up a mountain from any town and just sprawling Mm. mountains and hills and trees as far as you can see in the avenue of the giants and the redwoods and the Mm. Pacific coast, like just epic. But that was also the first time where I noticed, I realized that like life is not just like one thing, like go to college, graduate, get a job, get married. It doesn't have to be that. But I came from that world. I mean, my parents, they come from the like an older way of life. Like So, of course, that's what they're passing down to my brother and I. And also, coming from a very small town in Connecticut, everyone else thought I was crazy too. It wasn't just my family, you know. <laughs> but, you know, over time, they started seeing a little bit of money coming in and I was safe and I wasn't just like, once, if you start seeing your, your kids or whatever, friends or family happy and living the life they want to live, like, how can you argue with that? So after a while, my parents really started realizing, like, okay, he's being safe and he's happy. So how are we going to argue with that? Yeah. And I will say, though, too, like, you know, if that's something that you want is something more out of life than just that the standard way we're taught to live. It's like you have to be ready. You have to be like you have to be wanting to rough it. I mean, in my experience, like doing what I did up in Humboldt, you have to really be okay with living in a tent for 10 months out of a year Mm. or, you know, sleeping on the floor of the house you're working at or something or like, you know, a random trailer that might be parked there for. So it's like you have to kind of just have your backpack, your tent. And if you're lucky enough, you graduate from that life to more of like a van or an RV life. (laughs) (laughs) So. And that's something that's one of like the most important things I've learned in just, you know, living that kind of nomadic lifestyle is like accepting everything as it comes and not complaining about it. Just saying, okay, this is what I'm doing now. This is where I am. So I might as well just breathe. And this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that's a struggle, too. I mean, still, it can be a struggle because it's just as easy, if not easier, just to go back to the the other way. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You have to you have to be open to a a different way of life to like abandoning what's been the norm. Yeah, and that that particular spot I was telling you about, the first farm that I ended up on was like, to this day, you know, out of the 30 or 40 I've been a part of, was the most mind-blowing, just, wow, like, this actually exists? Like, this isn't just movies? Like, it really felt like a like commune or something, for lack of a better word. I mean, there was 40 of us or something. Some of those people had been up there for eight months, six months, three months. You know, we had a personal masseuse, a private chef. It was just unbelievable, the scale of this farm. I imagine your your circle of friends extends far and wide and some of the connections you've made in these communal living environments, I'm sure. Yeah, they're definitely like my family. We, we, I mean, a lot of, I have a pretty like solid core crew and then there's a very ex- large extended crew, but yeah, they're all just, the, you know, those kind of uh, vagabond adventurists, van RV life people, international travelers as well. And but yeah, I mean, I'm super lucky. Like my parents are always joking, like, like you know people everywhere. Like, what the hell? Like, it doesn't make any. Yeah, you don't know anybody. Right. Like, what have you been doing? You know? Yeah, yeah. That's I'm awesome. Lucky. That's awesome. Yeah. I've I've traveled a lot uh, for work as well, kind of hopping around from one job to the next. More so in that that other world, the normal life that we talk about, the nine to five. But but still, some periods where I'm off and traveling and going places. So I've had I've had glimpses of that 
world where you leave what's familiar and easy and venture out into the unknown that that combination of excitement and joy but also a little bit of fear and anxiety of the unknown mm-hmm. uh, and and how that kind of and i just wanted to say to you like, as a person i'm sorry to interrupt but you saying you know you're you have been living that more like quote unquote normal life there's a lot to say about that too like it's not all fun and games you know like from sure. either way either way i mean you know yeah. we always and that's how a lot of my, I have many good friends who have families and ha- own houses and stuff. And there's, you know, part of me is kind of like, yeah, I do want that. You know, I'm not si- like, and part of them is saying like, yeah, but look at you, you get to do all this traveling. Like I want, I want that, you know? Right. And yeah. you know, not to be cliche, but it's true. The grass sometimes is always greener. Yeah. Like it is. Yeah. And you can't have it all. Right. I mean, you can't. And that's something that I struggle yeah. with, you know, more so these days, I think thinking about, you know, getting older and like, what do I do with all these experiences? You know, I want to have like my own place and like be able to just be comfortable staying somewhere for longer than a couple months at a time, which is a skill that I probably need to relearn. It's hard, you know, even just where I am now and I'm in Western Massachusetts. Um, I've been here for three months and it's like, yeah, I do feel that urge to just get up and go. But I'm like, also like, I need to like discipline myself and be able to stay somewhere too, because that's important. I totally get it, man. I feel like the open road kind of encourages you. The more you do it, the more you feel like the urge to to do it. Definitely. You know, if you asked me a year ago, I would have said like the idea of being a weekend warrior is like my worst nightmare. (laughs) Just like, like only the weekends really. Right. (laughs) But now I'm like, there is something to be like, said about having your home base and establishing that like growing your roots there and like just kind of having your own space and adapting to that as opposed to just like always having to like run away i wonder if this is a taking too much liberty and reading into the title of your album as we maybe transition into talking about that but knowing a little bit about your background and reading these words but then also hearing you describe that balance and maybe the phrase wherever bound is that sort of being open to either one of those things it's a good way to look at it i like that but it sounds like this album was written with that first part the the on the road piece all all the songs seem to have that theme is that around this time that you started writing some of these songs after moving out to the farm At, at what point did you start writing the lyrics to this album happy you brought that up so um this album is kind of like a long time coming for instance we're all friends the last song in this album was written actually in 2009 and tetons was the second oldest probably 2010 yeah i would say it goes back all the way back to then and you know it was just a sparkle in my eye thinking about recording them or having this you know putting them into some kind of like conceptual album so yeah i would say the songs pretty much range from 11 years old in that case the, the most recent was Tapestry, written last year after I got back from Southeast Asia. They predate your time being on the road. Yes, very much so. How did you know it was complete? Originally, it was going to be 10 songs, but I cut out a couple of them. Just I didn't think they were as strong as the eight that I ended up with. I knew that each of the songs at one point or another was someone that I knew's favorite song of mine. Okay. And I was like, okay, these eight songs are probably... Out of the 200 or so that I've written, these are my probably my best eight songs at this point in my life. Wow. As far as like what I'm trying to accomplish with this particular album. I never think my work's good enough, you know? Yeah. And how, how would you really, unless you could physically step outside of yourself or something and look at it, but it's, you can't, you have to, 
you you have to pick the, the right people for that are the right people for the job work with the right people and at the end of the day you got to just trust in the group because it's really hard to think of what you do as great i think if you were to do that you wouldn't really be like an artist personality type like i think that's what makes artists artists is they're never happy with their work and that's what keeps them creating yeah yeah that's so cho- choosing eight uh songs from over 200 you said you've you've written over the years that had to be difficult i know you said all eight of these tracks can stand alone and none of them are, are filler songs to, to complete an album and that they were all people's favorites so obviously that had something to do with it you're probably looking at the list and saying well these all have to make the cut yeah what was it was it more about the sound and what meshes together and flows musically or was it more about a concept that had to be portrayed and that you had to pick certain songs and layer them a certain way so that front to back it would be like like a story that's being told i think the latter well i was actually going to say a lot of these were written intentionally as kind of the glue to hold the parts together where was this recorded i am picturing you guys all out in rvs and working <laughs> in farms and and then it sent the production so great it sounds like you're you're somewhere professional where did you guys all yeah. end up to do that we recorded at um, it's called 727 Studios. It's in Queens, New York. One of the uh, owners of the the studio was um, a good friend of mine growing up, and he has a beautiful studio space. So we were lucky enough to be able to utilize all of his equipment and their master mastery and expertise in producing and engineering. Something I know nothing about at all, by the way. So I was really blown away with like the amount of talent they had. Pat has a great studio in New York. AJ was my engineer on this whole thing, AJ Jagannath. I could not have asked for a better engineer. Even some of the guys who came in to record uh, different instruments said that there was, they've never worked with anyone as like just on the spot as he was, you know? So yeah, 727 Studios. 727, yeah. awesome. So before we get into the album, Billy, I just wanted to ask if if there's other projects. I know this is your debut solo uh, album. I'm just curious if, if you were in other bands over the years, uh, going back to high school or, or college with your musical theater buddies, if, if you had put some other stuff out there. Yeah, speaking of my friends, musical theater friends and college dorm mates, yeah, back in 2007, maybe till 2010, 11, we've had this a couple bands um while we were living in new york city we had this kind of folky band called the birds they kissed it's kind of a funny name Mm. now looking back on it um but we had a lot of fun uh it was also another band my brother and um a couple friends of ours were in more like surf rock band uh you familiar with freud's apprentice carl jung Mm mm-hmm so j-u-n-g we had a band called carl jungle so no one could pronounce it right they always said carl jungle and I always loved bands that I always loved bands that you couldn't pronounce the names of. So That's funny. you were the lead singer in those as well. Uh, the words they kissed. It was four of us who sang because it was all the musical theater kids. So we had like these pretty intricate harmonies, at lots of points, and, and we'd also kind of switch instruments on and off, and just like all do our own songs and sing together. And, and as far as like the surf rock little project thing we had going, um, it was myself singing and another friend, uh, my friend Ryan. I don't know if you've heard, uh, he also is kind of on the up and up right now is, um, in Long Island in Brooklyn. His name is Zuli, Z-U-L-I. He's, uh, gotten a little bit of attention lately, but he and I were the singers and yeah, I mean, mostly back then I was focusing on my solo work. You know, I had this little project called Apple Island that was the 
more of the psychedelic stuff. So we always we were always having parties at our dorm every night, and always we were always the band to play, and everyone was always over, and we were always a very musical musical crew, you know. So was that mostly live performances, or are there some albums or or songs out there on the internet somewhere that listeners could check out if they wanted yeah. to hear kind of your your roots, where you came from before this album? As far as my my old weird solo music, yeah, you could find it. Uh, it's uh, a <laughs> maybe it's, you don't you, want us to find. It. <laughs> I'll I'll throw it out there. It's um, all right. Yeah, I, cool. I went I went by the we'll name Apple Island. Yeah, as Bandcamp, um, you can, there's a couple Apple Island albums on there. One was like an EP. One was another concept album. We'll, we'll have to check those out. Awesome. And you mentioned instruments when I asked you that. You obviously you play the guitar. We talked about that. You're clearly singing. You play other instruments in general or on this album? Um, I can p- tinker around with other instruments, um, but I mostly stick to guitar. I'm lucky enough to have a l- bunch of multi instrumentalist friends, you know, for this album. Trevor plays a mean cowbell if you need oh, that nice. for a future actually, album. I yeah. need more of that. You actually. can add him to your, your uh, group of friends. Everybody <laughs> needs more of that. We all need more of that. <laughs> well, I think this may be a good time to get right into it. I know that first track has a lot of layers, and I imagine some of those instrumentalists jump out on that part. Should we get into the track by track at this point? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. The first track is called Tapestry. I swear I've seen it all I ain't seen nothing yet The foliage and fall The winter's subtle threat The reason I moved west The place that I like best was calling me The palm trees on my street, that's what I mean and I, I love this first track. It it uh, immediately makes me think of the van life, that that open road, and and the lyrics. Uh, what got us here? You had mentioned before when we were talking about your background and how you ended up there with the telemarketer job, being being stuck in that nine to five in a cubicle and wondering what else was out there. I mean, that that's partly what what stemmed you to to get out and hit the road and experience uh, life. Um, I really like that 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 whole idea of leaving all of that stress behind and, and seeking the mountain serenity, kind of the, the antidote to all that city chaos. Awesome. Yeah. I think, um, this was the most recent song that I'd written, not jumping too, too far ahead of ourselves here, but originally the mountain song, which is track two is going to be the first track. Mm. And I was pretty set on that for a long time after just getting back from traveling around Southeast Asia, I get back to the States and I'm thinking like, we have so many experiences in our lives. How do you just summarize them? I was trying, I was really trying to figure out how to introduce this album, like how to kind of wrap them all up into one package, you know? Mm-hmm. And I struggled with it for a while, but I think the final result really kind of got across what I was going for. Um, the sound, you know, AJ, uh, who also played lead guitar and bass on this, okay. the slide guitar, he did a great job. I think that kind of just wrapped it all up in one perfect little, like, this is the sound this is the vision I was going for this is like the intro the album needed yeah well I think 
think you got it right as I was mentioning you sent this to us and it probably wasn't immediately on our minds to to go listen to it but once I did you know I don't know if I would have gotten deeper into it if that first track didn't grab me like this one did and Shane and I were both texting each other going did you actually listen to that it's it's actually really good <laughs> right yeah and one of the things that struck me about this song is it's like six and a half minutes I think total by the time it was over I had no idea it was that long it's one of those songs that you just feel like it's supposed to be that length and it doesn't feel extended or too long it just it, it's digestible at that length it packs a lot in there but it's it's done so in such a, a concise way that's very a good happy point. That. I, I didn't realize that either uh that that i had that same experience until you until you said that I, I guess i didn't i didn't know it was that long I, th- I think that's probably because there wasn't some repetitious chorus that got repeated six times or something that that made you feel like okay it's time for the song to be over every every verse was saying something different uh, it was describing a, a different part of that tapestry that idea of having all these experiences bottled up into making you who you are as a person i think yeah no matter what kind of life you live we all have these tapestries of our lives like you know mm-hmm. it's we're not just one person we, we can be different people every different day it's just kind of like a patchwork quilt everything we do and everything we dream and everything we hope and everything we've done it's like all of that stuff makes you makes up you i think my favorite line is is the the opening i swear i've seen it all and i ain't seen nothing yet i mean that's that's been my experience uh traveling i think the more you experience the more you see the more cultures you're exposed to the more you realize that there's so much to life and learning it kind of it kind of grounds you and makes you humble and makes you realize that you know even though i've seen so much that's that's almost like what makes me realize that i haven't seen anything yeah i mean you know the more you travel the the longer your list gets it doesn't get any yeah. shorter you know yeah yeah that's a that's a perfect way of putting it i feel for all the ones who up and left me Turns out they weren't strong enough to bear. During the intro, you were talking about the phrase that you said that stuck with me. You said, you've got to be ready for something like that. Mm-hmm. And that line in there where you said, I feel for those who up and left me, turns out they weren't strong enough to bear. It reminded me of that, where maybe some people thought they could do it and they, they weren't quite ready for it. Did you have people along for this ride at one point that ended up deciding, I don't want to do this anymore? Yeah, there's been many of them. Um, I think at that point when I was writing this song, it was a little bit more of like a jab towards a specific failed relationship. Me being a little passive aggressive. (laughs) It turned out because like I easily could have just erased that line and, you know, written something different there. But I think it turned out to be somewhat of a, um, you know, a bigger idea than just like, you know, a relationship with a partner. Around the world in different circles, but it's hard to match the freedom that we've got. Yeah. So, Billy, you you talk about how you've been around the world in different circles, but it's hard to match the the freedom that you have with life on the road and, and traveling. If you had to put a centerpiece uh, to that tapestry, you have a quilt and you have all these different pieces, all the layers. What what would be in the middle? I would say traveling, music, and farms. <laughs> I don't know how to... Yeah. That's kind of not the most specific thing, but that's what comes to mind first. Yeah, so um, maybe maybe, maybe a, a photo of you outside your van 
on the farm <laughs> playing guitar yeah, with some I friends like sitting around the campfire. <laughs> if anybody wants to paint that picture, I would gladly uh, accept. Yeah. I'll put I'll put my dad right on. He, he could do that. Yeah. That's right. Your dad could anything. Do it. Yeah. But that's yeah. something you just mentioned was, you know, all the people I'm that I have in my life that have made me who I am. That's actually that was another part of uh, a major part of the need for this song. Like when I, you know, in the chorus is um join the family, like come on in. Like for the most part we have a very accepting crew awesome people and we've been all over the world together like literally i really wanted to like shout them out and that was a big part of me writing the song was to like give them that light to like shine a spotlight it's not just me you know it's like i wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't for all of them definitely a, a strong sense of community on this this album definitely yeah. I wanted to ask you about that line come over join the family because I wasn't sure if that was written as somebody that maybe was telling that to you when you were just getting to be part of this family and, and it's something you're reflecting on or if it's more your message to somebody else um, and maybe it's both but when you wrote that which direction was that line going Another really good question. Originally, I was intending for that to just be like a welcome, like an open invitation. You know, we have mm -hmm. um, a very open-minded group of friends, and I was extended that invitation in the early days too. I mean, yeah, yeah. My larger friend group existed before I was a part of it. You know, and I was with open arms, kind of let it and became a part of it. And it's funny too because the extended group of our friend group is. Like I'll meet them still, and we'll be we'll have like a hundred mutual friends, and it's like, oh yeah, I've always heard about you. Oh yeah, I've always heard of you too. It's just wow. a matter of time till we meet, you know, because we all have that same core group, yeah. and so um, really I always cool. thought that was like I was really lucky to be a part of that. I know what life's like in the city, and I've traveled east to Vietnam. You mentioned you mentioned how how you've traveled east uh, to Vietnam. I want to hear about that experience. Yeah, I've done a lot of, or I shouldn't say a lot, but a decent amount of international travel. But before I went to Southeast Asia, it had mostly been in Central, South America, and um, the Caribbean. And Thailand had always been on my been pretty high on my list uh, for as long as I can remember. So. I was presented with yeah the opportunity to go out there with uh, two of my best friends, another couple that I travel with a lot, uh, my friends Sean and Ali, and I kind of jumped on it. I was like, this is kind of my time. Like they're going, I guess it's kind of a sign. I'm gonna I'm gonna go, you know. And they were happy yeah. to have me. And so I spent a month and a half in Thailand, and I spent um, maybe a, a month between Laos and Cambodia, and then th maybe three weeks in Vietnam. So I think around two and a half months total. And to date, that was like my best international trip. I wanted to touch on a couple things musically of this one that stood out to me. One question I wanted to ask you is I'm, I think I'm hearing maybe kind of a doubling effect on your vocals on some of the songs mm -hmm. and, and on this one. Is that true? Yeah, that was intentional. Yeah. Um, throughout this whole album, I'm kind of like paying tribute or what's like homage to um, our, the earlier days of my friends and I like being in bands in New York and recording uh, a lot of little things that I mean most people wouldn't even pick up on but 
we used to do a lot of that like voice doubling and stuff and for, for whatever reason i just love the way it sounds so i was like i want to do it like not all of them have it but right. i i felt like it kind of just added like a different like another layer of texture vocally and yeah aj jagannath who was like the head engineer on this and he also he also played bass on every song and he's like a virtuoso guitarist like this he's incredible he really is um so yeah he played the slide and the lead guitar on this track and that was one of my other questions that slide guitar man um at 410 Shane knows i made a joke on I think it was the Pine Grove episode that you throw that slide guitar in there. I'm I'm pretty much I heard uh, you talk about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And when I heard it on this song, I was like, ah, oh, he's got yeah. me. He's got <laughs> I love the slide guitar too. It's my favorite. <laughs> it must have been really fun you wrote these songs on an acoustic guitar and you probably have some vision of how they're going to sound from an expansive standpoint once you get in the studio but talk about some of the other elements maybe within this song or in general that just like exploded on you maybe in ways that you couldn't have even imagined um, are there parts of that like this was the last song we recorded actually for the album you know i had done my parts i, re- I did the the rhythm guitar and i sang and and I was just, I'm listening to it over and over again, like, you know, walking down the streets in New York and I'm just like, oh man, I really hope this one sounds all right. When I laid it out by myself without the bass, cause bass really is a huge factor in music. Like a lot of, maybe some people don't really realize that, but once you add the bass to a, even an acoustic guitar song, it really makes it just like explode. Like it yeah, pops, you know, richer. Yeah. And so once I went back in with AJ and worked on, you know, had him, lay out the lead and the slide and the bass like it became like one of the one of my favorite the way the song sounds just sonically yeah like i said aj is an amazing musician just knowing everything there is to know about production and engineering music so when he laid down that slide guitar i couldn't believe it he probably he probably heard the song like three times and then did that and i'm just sitting there like that was perfect. Yes, keep that. That was that's it right there. And he's like, wait, no, no, no. I need to do like another layer of that. Like, do the harmony on the on the slide. So that's why you can hear like in the bridge. There's like the, it goes like in opposite directions, like the high note and then it goes to the low note at the same time. And I, to me, I'm like, no, it's perfect. He's like, wait, nope, stop. Does, picks up the guitar again, does the other thing, layers them together. I'm like, what? Like, how did you? You only heard the song like three times and you just nailed what was in my mind. Like everything that's I. Shout out to AJ yeah. then, because yeah. that that just drew me in. I, honestly, that's that might be one of the parts that made me text Shane when I first started listening to this, going, we we should probably listen to this album a little more. Yeah, is, thank you, AJ. Really cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned the next song at one point was going to be the first song on the album. This one's called Mountain Song. With a smile on my face, but now that's what I need. But you know that I'm open to every last single possibility. Come on. As I mentioned leading into introducing the song, you had mentioned that originally this was going to be the first song of the album. How interesting when you said that, because I think we're going from what's the longest song on the album to the shortest. That must have been an interesting thought process on your mind to go, I'm going to put this one first. And not only is that a different song, it's a completely different length. Tell me about that thought process. The reason it is like on the shorter side, especially uh, lyrically, is because it was intended to be the intro. So I wanted it to be like Mm. a short little intro that kind of the second half of it would have been musical as opposed to musical and lyrical. Um, and then it would kind of fade right into the next, the following song. 
as most intros are, they're generally just short little, like, shorter songs or short snippets of something that lead into another thing, and that's kind of what I intended for this, but... So I guess that would probably answer the question of, uh, you know, why is the length so different than the, <laughs> the actual yeah. intro to the album? I really wanted to start the song, um, and originally the album was going to be with I'm Still Learning How to Deal because I don't want anyone to think that I haven't figured out. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody who says they do actually does. Um, so I thought that was an important thing to throw in there. I'm still learning how to deal with life out on the road. And I will never stop yearning for that. Definitely. I, I picked up on that too when you, you started the song with I'm still learning how to deal with life on the road. And even though you were thinking you wanted to say that first, maybe at one point, I think throwing that first song in there it's a cool contrast because the first song does sound a little bit more sure of yourself. In fact, you maybe you're you're putting some words out to other people saying, you know, maybe you can't cut this, you know. But then on the second song, you start off saying, I'm still learning how to deal. So conflicting feelings sometimes maybe about it. Oh, yeah. I have many conflicting feelings in my life all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to add to that, too. I, I think the contrast musically and lyrically is great. And the order worked out flawlessly even though even though you thought about putting the mountain song as the opening track i think it works really well because tapestry is sort of a a theme it sets the tone for the entire concept of the album and and as trevor was alluding to it's maybe a, a little bit more positive vibe freeing hitting the open road the good parts of it but then the mountain song showing that contrast that that things can be great but there's also challenges there's there's struggles and yeah and then by the end of the song i really like how there's that abrupt change in tempo, like right mm-hmm. around the 150 mark or so, where you're talking, speaking, singing really fast, and, and the music is fast, and all of a sudden it kind of slows down. That, that whole idea of like rushing around, dealing with some trials and tribulations of the road, but then, you know, by, by nightfall, you find that place to to park your van and settle for the night and you're down by the the water and things are quiet like that's kind of your way uh, to get away from that hustle and bustle yeah this also kind of touches on what i was saying before about like knowing that settling down somewhere like kind of in the future or like not really sure if the travel lifestyle is you know gonna last forever it's like you know like um I'm in no rush to climb that mountain up onto its peak because I know when I get there I'll settle somewhere. But now I'm by this creek. And I ain't in no rush to climb that mountain up onto its peak because I know when I get there I'll settle somewhere. But now I'm by this creek. Yeah. So I was really trying, hoping that that would have kind of jumped out. Like, yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, the contrast between this song and Tapestry, like emotion or energy wise, that's something I really was hoping would hit home with the album as a whole not only uh, kind of romanticizing the good parts of traveling, but also like it can be very difficult holding on to certain types of relationships, always being on the move. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing aspects of, and you know a lot of amazing things you learn. It also has its hardships. I didn't want to focus on either of those, good or bad, too much. I was really hoping to kind of mesh them both equally through, throughout the album. So that's one thing I was really hope, hoping to hit. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I mean, I, I think the entire album is, is very open and raw and honest. And, and I mean, it, it feels like you're not trying to cherry pick certain parts of that lifestyle, but, you know, as well as you can in a, a 40 minute album, eight right. songs 
paint a good picture of all the different dynamics of that that life mm-hmm. that's yeah, why i love yeah. this your podcast because you guys really think about this stuff like most of the people i would show this to or who hear it they're just like yeah that was good <laughs> okay great but that you know that was like a year of me working on yeah, this like yeah, thank you yeah. so thank you for appreciating and acknowledging like even when the music slows down like the intention in that and stuff so i really appreciate that <laughs> yeah good that's that's what we love about doing this and and i'm so glad you're willing to let us ask you all these questions about it i'm sure it feels uh exciting but also a little strange to no, <laughs> to, it's awesome i'm to really go internal yeah. on all some some of that yeah no it's 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 so cool to have you here with us billy because normally Trevor and I are discussing and going back and forth and, and uh, saying like, wonder what the artist was going for on this one. And sometimes we'll disagree. And we actually have the man himself, the source right here. We can yeah. say, okay, I know, are we I'm right? Also, or what were you going for? <laughs> I also don't want, I want, I also want to get both of your takes on it too, without saying too much in the beginning. Yeah, I am yeah, interested, yeah. you know, I want to know. Right, yeah. I think we've mentioned on some of our other episodes, you know, once an artist creates something and releases it to the world, it still belongs to you, but it also belongs to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's probably a, a cool thing for you, and also maybe a little bit scary, I would think. Robert Hunter, who is the Grateful Dead, or Jerry Garcia's lyricist, he would never explain the mythology or the lyrics behind it. Because that kind of takes the magic away. To a certain extent, you want the person to be interpreting it their own way because that's the magic. You know, I, I, liked, I like to explain, uh, and I like to kind of be that person who can guide you to thinking one thing as like a storyteller, but there's also that fine line of like, I don't want to ruin it either. You know, there's magic in that mystery, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the mystery, I think one of the things that's really cool about this, you mentioned this was going to be the first song leading into, it sounds like tornado. The third Mm -hmm. song was going to be after this one, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear, it sounds like a wind or, or the beginning of maybe tornado picking up. And that's, that's a a scene between these two songs that you, you hear that transition as one ends to the other. I guess before we go into that, though, I'd be amiss not to bring up the mariachi sound that, that's right. going on, because that, that surprised <laughs> me, and, and I really enjoyed that. And yeah. Is it a trumpet at that point? It is a trumpet. So my good friend, Jeff uh, Beckley, he, um, he actually made the drive from Connecticut up to New York City. Oh, wow. Just to be there for an hour to record oh that trumpet goodness. part for me, and which I'm so thankful for. He's a good friend of mine. Wow, what a guy. Yeah, we go way back. Uh, we were actually old camp counselors together a long time ago. But yeah, it was such an honor to have him. Like That was one thing I was really happy with this album, is it kind of brought a lot of my old friends that weren't necessarily all my traveling companions, but old friends who were there when I started writing. Yeah, I got to have them record with me. Uh, Jeff just brought that trumpet part to life like that was exactly how i envisioned it he nailed it you know and and i have to say too that um so my good friend daniel my old lead guitarist going back to college days did an awesome job on the lead like the kind of cowboy western sound in this song. oh yeah and, for sure yeah um, again aj was the bass player and i actually um this guy lex who i have yet to meet but he's a good friend of AJ's. He did a lot of the percussion that you hear at the end. Um, ah, okay. He had just returned from studying percussion in Africa, and AJ had reached out to me saying, "Like, hey, like, would you? How do you feel about my friend uh, who just got back from Africa, like, adding some percussion to this?" And my only answer was, "Yes, definitely. That would be yeah. amazing." And I think, I think everyone here did like a, an amazing job in putting the song together. 
how was it that he contributed drums without you being able to meet him? He was he went into the studio um, when I wasn't able to go basically. Got it. Okay. And he and AJ worked together on that. He also did uh, some of the percussion on Tetons as well. Yeah. Thank you, Lex. Hope to jam with you someday. So many people contributed, you know, yeah. to completing this album. It was a great. collaboration. Yeah. And neat that he was traveling himself. You know, it even expands beyond your travels, some of the contributions from some other Yeah, that's uh, what it's all about. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's neat to have that encapsulated. Yeah. I got another question for you on this song. We've talked about it a little bit here already. But th- there's that line, I'll move from place to place with a smile on my face. For now, that's what I need. You know, that, that joy of the open road and, and experiencing, mm-hmm. getting to know people, seeing the cultures yeah and and you know growing as a person and that you're not in a rush to climb that mountain as we were talking about but but someday you know you'll get there and you'll settle is that the goal you think i mean do do you know yet if if that's what you want eventually and if so what would that place look like what would it take for a place to like really grab (laughs) you and say you know like i can't leave here this is this is my this is my home now well, that, that is the question that I ask myself all the time. <laughs> I think it's a kind of a collective thing amongst all my friends and who, who have been living this life right alongside me is we're all getting to be in our 30s and we're getting older. And for a long time, we were totally okay just being completely just broke and nomadic and figuring out what we get there together and living this way. And I'm still all about that. I recommend it. If you haven't done it, do it. You will not regret it. But I think there's like that gift and the curse side of it. It's like, as a traveler, you've seen all these amazing, beautiful, cool places. How do you pick just one to settle in? And like you said before, it's like the more traveling you do, the more you want to do it. It's hard to settle somewhere. It really sucks you in for sure. Yeah. So it's like something I definitely struggle with. It's like, I love the lifestyle that I've created and, but you know, settling and having that uh, security and, it also is something that's very attractive to me or more so has become that way in the last maybe year. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have landed in a pretty awesome little community here in Western Massachusetts. And it is kind of nice being back on the East Coast where my family is, but my heart is largely in Northern California. So I'm like kind of trying to figure out that balance. Yeah. yeah. We talked about how, how seamless that uh, transition is into the next song. I think we're ready to talk about track three. All right. This one's titled tornado so we talked about mountain songs slowing down and then that wind sound picking up in the background and tying this song to this third song tornado the other thing that really drew me in immediately to this one is the bass aj really fills that song out with the bass and, and sucks you in immediately so he did a great job on the, also on the lead guitar on this one as well okay and then who's playing the violin so the violin is a friend of mine his name's charlie he's also from massachusetts he actually i was so lucky he lives in brattleboro vermont and he drove, he was able to drive down to New York just to record the violin on, uh, on this track as well as Afternoon. And I knew that it, ha- it had to exist on this album, and he just nailed it. I mean, some of my favorite parts of the whole album are his fiddle playing. Another good friend, back to the New York days, Matt, 
played the keys on this song, and I think mm. his key playing adds a lot to the the texture and the ambiance as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, between AJ, Matt, and Charlie, they all did an incredible job in the recording of this this song. So. You mentioned that you knew this song was going to have the violin on it. Obviously, you knew it was going to have bass. Were you thinking about keys on this one as well? Yeah. Um, going, you know, when we were in a band in the years ago, and Matt was always our, the keyboard player. And actually, uh, Matt and I were the ones who started our old band, you know, in the New York days. So uh, there was no doubt that he had to be a big part of this album. And he's one of the best keyboard players i know he's also yeah. also an amazing songwriter who he has his own solo project you could check it out matt matt patrick walsh all over the internet awesome he had to be a part of this song i think it fills it out like beautifully just the those rolling keys and like the the way that it makes you kind of makes the song move would not be the same without without him i think i so. agree yeah yeah that's a big part of this one I thought this song was really interesting and unique because the concept of thinking of the narrator as a tornado goes goes back and forth at, at the beginning it sounds like it's a little bit of pridefulness in it you're, you're saying mm. I'm a wild buccaneer I love that <laughs> that's awesome blowing down the road like a tornado it sounds like somebody that's got a lot of drive and passion and, but then there's also the part at the end that says if you trust me too much and let me in too close there's some self-awareness too that this passion that pushes you to these things can also be destructive in some mm -hmm. ways. There's a few aspects of this song that I've been trying to figure out how to actually like articulate this. There's like that balance of like being self-aware enough to realize, you know, we can just move on, move on when things get rough and we can be cool. We can just always go, you know, go with the flow. But at the same time, you might also be hurting people along the way if you're just Cause you know, one thing you get good at as being like on the road all the time is like saying goodbye to people Yeah. to a fault. Maybe we don't always think about who we're hurting by saying goodbye and just picking up and going, you know, you might be good at it, but someone else might not be accustomed to that from someone else. So I was trying to figure that out, but also in my writing this, I was dealing with like uh, some relationship stuff. So I kind of bounced back intentionally. The narrator bounces back between me and someone else who's affecting me. Hmm. That's kind of what I've been trying to struggle to like figure out how to articulate because it does. There's a lot of little things that I've tried incorporating under the guise of a tornado. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I get it. I mean, I'll. I'll... I'll take my best shot at <laughs> summing up. Yeah. Maybe what please. you were trying to say in this. Yeah, song. please do. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, explain to you what this song is about. Yeah, right. I appreciate no, it. I mean, that that line, "You won't miss me when I'm gone because you don't miss me when I'm I'm here." It's okay. I don't blame you. I'm a wild buccaneer. So, like, you're you're basically expressing this longing for wanting people to to want you around and and really value you being there and missing you when when you're gone but you're accepting of the fact that you know why they might not because 
your MO is to kind of hit the road and, and take off eventually. So people can't really get too attached. Right. And so, you know, like you, you understand that you can relate to it, but at the same time, like given the right circumstances and, and things, if the cards played out and, 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 uh, those people gave you a chance and you, and you, and they let you get close to them that, you know, that, that, that things would work out and you'd blow through their world. Maybe it just ha- hasn't happened because of, uh, you know, bad timing or something like that. Yeah. We don't give them the opportunity to miss us if we're not there for a long period of time, maybe or something. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then there's like that whole, you know, image that I added in there with just kind of zoning out and skipping rocks and staring at the trees, mm-hmm. just like not being present. You know, you're there, but you're not really there. This is a very like introspective song for me because I, I am trying to balance like myself and my actions uh, towards other people versus other people's actions towards me. Like, I don't like when they act this way towards me, but have I been acting this way towards them by just like saying goodbye and always picking up and moving? And then also that also kind of goes back to like how it's difficult to maintain certain types of relationships, always moving, moving along all the time. And it's like, how can we expect to, though, if we can't even expect ourselves to stay in a place, mm-hmm. let alone yeah, in yeah. a relationship, you know, for more than a, right, yeah. a short amount of time. So. I don't know. I was kind of playing along around with all that kind of stuff um, while at the same time, you know, going through some personal stuff of my own with a partner at the time. So when I call you, I do not want to play games. I will rectify the situation before you walk away. Is it the same voice that's saying... I will rectify the situation for you walk away. I, I was trying to balance that with sounds like the narrator's the one blowing through and, and being, you know, the tornado here, but then wondering if that's the same voice saying, I'll rectify the situation for you walk away. Who's leaving who or who's speaking at that part? Yeah. Um, again, it's, I was really trying to like blur those lines because I can acknowledge myself as like, you know, to some extent, like caricature of this song or whatever, as like a tornado that is totally okay. Just going from ta- through towns, blowing through a town, blowing through a relationship and leaving behind a trail of breadcrumbs, not even caring. Like we can be that person, right? It's, it's pretty easy to just kind of not think about other people sometimes. Cause that's kind of how I was feeling at the time, like towards myself from someone else, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, and uh, so originally I was looking at the tornado analogy as that other person, but then I started seeing it in myself and I... Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I think some of those lines are blurred. The image of the tornado is something I intend to kind of go forward with also. Mm. A few of the newer songs I've written kind of go back to that a little bit. So I've got limited experience writing a song or two. And I, I remember having that epiphany sometimes where it's like, I'm writing it's something to discover what I'm writing. It's like, it, it, I didn't know that was in there. I didn't know I was feeling that until it's, until it's done. Definitely. That's a big thing. Sometimes like, you know, we sit down or I sit down and I start writing something that I think I have a hold on like a grasp. Oh yeah. This song is going to be about this. And then just, you're like a channel for something that just comes out. And it's like, Oh, I guess that's what this song is about. The songs will change as I write them uh, more so than not. And I don't know if that's coming from somewhere inside me or if it's coming from some other source of whatever. But um, yeah, many of the songs I've written, they, they transform as I write them, which is super exciting 
to me as a writer. Like I, I find that to be really interesting. I think that's really interesting too. One of my favorite artists had basically said it, he believes that every song's already been written and that artists are just these vessels that open up and then it's just a place for that song to give birth to basically in the world. That I could not agree nothing, more. Nothing wow. doesn't exist already. I thought that was a really cool. Yeah, yeah I couldn't agree more. I, I also, I mean, have you heard the theory that ideas are living things? Because once, once an idea is just sparked in, like sparks into your head and you release that idea, all of a sudden you've given that permission to become a reality, right? Yeah. That's a really interesting theory, like thought experiment mm-hmm. for me too. It's yeah. like if you have yeah. an idea, that 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 can be that's just a living thing now in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I always that's thought that a, was pretty amazing. interesting. I want to ask you, where is home in this song? On that line that says, "On my journey home, will please just bless my weary soul." as somebody traveling and as a, as a tornado in this song, I wondered where home was. Well, that was something I intentionally didn't get too specific on. Um, I kind of wanted to uh, give, the, give the listener an opportunity to kind of incorporate that into their own life in some way. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Even yeah. an open. Home can be yeah. kind of an abstract idea too, mm-hmm. as much as it can be like a tangible place on a map. I mean, it can just be right. where you're most comfortable and at peace in your mind. Yeah. That's cool. I, agree. I think the the first two songs of this album kind of set the stage for life on the road and how there can be lots of ups and great experiences, but also some downs and some hard times. And in track three, Tornado alludes to one of those uh, specific hard times that you can go through. And that's like the idea of having a, a short period of time in an area uh, and just like being torn between wanting to stay somewhere and, and uh, be there long enough to let all of that blossom. But at the same time, knowing that there's like a big part of your heart that's on the open road, you know, mm-hmm. wanting, wanting both worlds, but, but maybe not being able to, you know, fully do either one. Yep. And I think as we transition through the album, it seems yeah. like that, that sub theme to the overall uh, concept of this album is that life on the open road leads to a lot of love but also some some loss and some heartbreak as well it seems like um, the next few songs all kind of piggyback off of that that idea more than anything i just i really tried to capture not only like the amazing parts of living a nomadic lifestyle like i mean it's mostly good it really is i mean i i wouldn't trade any of the things i've done or seen or places i've been to for anything but i also really did feel it was important to capture the lonely and sometimes destructive side of that lifestyle. I think that was one of my, the biggest things for me in recording this album was how do I balance that? Like I really, you know, everyone loves happy music, but I was always drawn to like the darker side of things in a lot of ways for in that, in that regard. If I showed most of the people I know, they'd be like, you're listening to this? Like why? <laughs> because like I, I see the art in it. I see like that, those emotions that they bring to you are, equally as important as the happy ones you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so i yeah, just tried to yeah, like yeah. kind of blend those two but i'm with you on that I, I i very much appreciate when when an artist is is willing to do that because even though the song or the album as a whole may not be self-referential a listener is is automatically going to think that that artist is singing about themselves and so to like risk being labeled as anything possibly negative 
I feel like that takes a lot. You got to go out, out on a limb. It's easy to sing about all the good times and talk about like all the positivity, but it's a, it's another layer to be able to express yourself. And so I agree that that kind of stuff moves me too, just because it's, I don't know, it's not so happy, feel good. I mean, there's a time and a place for that too, but like, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 All right. Should we move on to track four? Yeah, let's do it. Track four is called Gypsy Girl. Yeah, so this song uh, was written probably my second year living in Humboldt County, right after I had just returned from my first trip to Hawaii. This was the very beginning of this different stage of my life, breaking out of what I knew to be life on the East Coast and then in Southern California. And, you know, this was very early into me meeting a lot of people who kind of helped guide my journey into the, uh, yeah, I guess you could say the gypsy way of life. Like I said, like coming from a very uh, small town in New England and living in cities and just sprawling suburbs, meeting the types of people you meet in, in environments and places that are not like those, it's it's just mind-blowing in its own way Where you when you start to realize that there are so many different types of people in the world, mm. you know, and when we when were growing up and when we were kids, we, we see, you know, we're very used to our, like our little insulated communities and yeah, well said. Yeah. We kind of just accept that for being what we're destined for or what life is. When I was in Humboldt County, I started becoming good friends with a lot, like a lot of these people who are still my friends today. And after meeting enough of them that have talked about Hawaii, I started realizing like, Oh, I think I'm being called to Hawaii right now. I was always interested in Hawaii, but I, I was never, like, I need to go there, you know, this is my calling. But after living and working and um, with, you know, a good amount of people who had all either just gotten back from Hawaii or who had been there and lived there on the beach and hitchhiked around and just lived this carefree jungle beach lifestyle, after a while it starts to get to you like, okay, I think I'm being called to Hawaii and I think I really want to go there and just live on the beach and hitchhike around. That sounds awesome, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're doing the kind of work we were doing on the farms in Humboldt County, you know, in the winter, you do have a, generally you have a decent chunk of change to go travel with. And that's kind of, that was kind of the circuit for a while. It's like you go work in the fall, travel somewhere warm in the winter and, you know, rinse and repeat type thing. So more than this song is about anyone in particular, it's more, I was trying to portray like <laughs> a muse in a way, you know, yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah. I like it. It's just the type of person that you would meet living in these particular, even like Oregon for me was a big one too, like Southern Oregon in particular. I know you're there uh, now, Shane, and mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot to talk about as far as yeah. Oregon goes too. Yeah, but yeah. Um, sure. <clears throat> yeah, you know, Northern California and Oregon and Hawaii are all very interconnected in a lot of strange ways. Um, and I think a lot of people would agree with me. A lot of the same people are, in both of those places, different times of the year, back and forth. But so I started realizing there's like, you know, there's a lot of crazy people, like in the best way possible, just free spirits, you know, free spirits Mm -hmm. and just, just hardcore. Like we go to festivals and we live for free and we, we, we work on farms and we, that's it. So like, I don't know, for me, the the timing was just like, oh wow, all of this exists. I had no idea. (laughs) And just trying to like put that into like, you know, it's like that avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can tell in the lyrics all the different 
adjectives and metaphors and uh, like descriptions that uh, you used um, to try to describe this fantasy person yeah. or like this conglomeration <laughs> of all these people you've met. I, yeah, I, I definitely got that sense. Great. My astrology isn't very good, so I had to look up <laughs> what some of these are. So I read that the sun in Libra it says they shine down upon everyone they meet. They're known for being social and charming. Mm-hmm. And then the the moon in Sagittarius, fun lovers who are always on the lookout for adventure. So. And also, I'm a I'm a Leo. I'm glad you brought this up because I'm a Leo, and astrologically, to the best of my knowledge, I'm not a pro at any of this. But hmm. Leos and Libras are also like best friends. A lot of my good friends are Libras, so kind of threw that in there for that. But Gotcha. Yeah, that's that cool. also works really well too. Nice. You also you also threw in a a, a medical reference, the pineal gland. I wonder oh, how yeah. many listeners will catch PTs. that. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're talking to a couple of people that have all right dissected cadavers in a lab and yeah. So I'm sure that. you've heard of DMT. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for the listeners that don't, don't know, share share the significance of the the, the pineal gland. The, I think the lyrics that surround that cover the world in a blanket of peace, so my pineal <laughs> gland can see a communal people living in harmony. Uh, you know, what, what does that mean to you? Why did you choose to throw that in the song? You know, I think certain psychedelic plants and um, substances. I think I think most people would agree. You know, in the psychedelic world, you do become one with everything, and this album has a lot to do with like with community and you know in, in my experience and in a lot of the experience from many people i know in dealing with things like this magnitude like uh they are kind of the cornerstones and and how we even began to start thinking outside of the box that was laid out for us you know mm-hmm. uh from childhood and young age but these experiences yeah. are very valuable in thinking outside the box and and seeing that we don't know everything there is and being comfortable with the uncomfortable and, and the unknown. And one of the greatest things I've learned about living on the road like this and stuff is just being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of that is owed to mm-hmm. these experiences that we've had with different medicines or whatever you want to call them. Pineal gland also also is referred to as the, the third eye, kind of your, your like way of seeing the connection between the the physical and the spiritual world so that that esoteric right. um mystic element uh to the world that that uh, that unknown you brought up that scientists are are doing a lot of research and that's becoming more mainstream psychedelics and yeah and things of that nature they had uh, some breakthrough findings uh back in the 60s 70s there were a lot of people studying it and it kind of got shut down because it got attached to the hippie culture. And right. as much as we look back on that hippie movement as this free-spirited, fun-loving people that were just sharing this community uh, experience together, if, from what I've been told from from people that I have talked to that lived during that time, the, the overwhelming majority of the world was like anti-hippie. They thought these people yep. were crazy, radicals. What are they doing out there? They're just taking drugs and having sex with everybody and just acting recklessly, not, you know, being good people. So because the, the psychedelics were associated with them, the government basically shut down all the research and said, no, we're just getting rid of all this stuff. And so it's kind of been squashed for all these years. 
and now it's making a comeback and uh, some new studies are showing it can be really helpful with people who have depression, anxiety, panic attacks, all sorts yeah. of stuff PTSD. that if they have these, yeah. yeah, yeah, PTSD, if they have these, these experiences where they can kind of leave their head, leave their world for a while and like see things from a different perspective, um, along with, along with uh, professional counseling and psychology, guiding them through this experience that it can actually be extremely powerful. And I yeah. think we'll see a, a wave over the next decade or two uh, <clears throat> that kind of de- stigmatizes uh psychedelics and you know kind of like we're seeing with marijuana or like we have seen over the past 10 20 years with marijuana i think psychedelics are probably the next wave where, where eventually you know it's it's going to be yeah, i think you're mainstream. right i think for some reason these things are like considered radical ideas and so they have to be kind of changed over time slowly just like weed didn't become legal the first time it was on the ballot you know in california mm -hmm. for instance or whatever but and yeah, I mean, I, I think like a lot of the work that Timothy Leary, for instance, did back then was pretty important, groundbreaking work. But the the routes he took and the, the way he portrayed a lot of the work he did was, did more damage than good, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, for whatever reason, many people in westernized cultures have this... We, we like to group psychedelics in the same category as we group heroin and meth and coke. You know, it's like a drug is a drug is a drug, but that's not actually the case. You know, there are very yeah. important. These are actually right. very psychedelics can be very important tools and they have been used that way for longer than we even know. Probably, you know, mm -hmm. very, very long yeah. times. Um, yeah, you brought up uh, Hiawatha. Right? Is it my Ayahuasca? Right? Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to repeat that because I don't want to sound like <laughs> yeah, say, say it again. What is it? The marijuana? Marijuana? So, so you brought up Hiawasca. No, I, I think it's just Ayahuasca. Yeah. It's Ayahuasca. Yeah. The H is silent. Yep. Son of a bitch. <laughs> got to go back and learn my phonics again. <laughs> All right, don't put any of this on the thing. No, no, no. Trevor. Right. Okay. I'm going to highlight this part. <laughs> so. <laughs> so bill you you brought up ayahuasca I, I can't remember if 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 that's the, the the plant that i that i've heard about or uh if it was possibly peyote maybe maybe you uh know but i remember hearing about uh one culture in particular that basically microdoses that stuff all day long from from morning until night kind of like here in America, people drink coffee and they, they microdose with caffeine throughout the day to change their, their mental state, to keep them alert and focused that certain cultures will, will use those appropriately. They don't abuse them like a lot of people do yeah. in America that, that overdose and end up having crazy bad trips, but they do just enough to enhance their, their outlook on life and their like ability to right. function as a, a person. And they use it, they use it like uh, responsibly right and have forever like for a long time like you said yeah getting back to this good side song part. yeah that was <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to do like uh what do they call it in the podcast world micro content we're gonna create some micro content <laughs> our patreon page <laughs> yeah right just on this topic here and then we're gonna market that to like the psychedelic community and we're gonna we're gonna grab some I'll, I'll some listeners some music fans yeah please do I'll get, Trevor. I'll get a little bit of that out please out clean there. that all up yeah yeah um i just wanted to say uh as far as you know co-musicians on this song my brother 
great job with the percussion um on a djembe on that song yeah yeah and just a bunch of like random little you know various percuss percussive things he spruced it up with So when you and your brother switched instruments, he stuck with the drums. He did. He's yeah. well. Actually, my brother is an incredible musician. I yeah. mean, he can pick up any instrument and play play it perfectly. Cool. He's like one of those types of people, you know. And he all, that also extends to his knowledge of computer programs and logic and that's Pro that's Tools. Cool. And so I kind of yeah, he's he's that uh, the genius in the family when it comes to that stuff. Nice to have him in your back pocket <laughs> yeah. for the, the yeah. production side of things. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Zach. That's yeah. awesome, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, Daniel played lead guitar in this again, and Matt was on the keys, and uh, AJ played the bass. I will say, one of my favorite parts of this album, musically, is that uh, little breakdown between Matt, the keys, and Daniel on the guitar. It took us a while to, like, because Matt played this amazing part on the keys, and then we're like, Daniel, you should play the same thing to have, like, the keys and the guitar play the same thing on this one part. And it must have taken us like 30 minutes to try to figure out what the hell Matt just played in the keys, like translate it on the guitar. But Daniel did a great job and like, it's one of my favorite parts musically. Let's move on. We're gonna get into what Trevor and I both agree is the highlight uh, section of this album. The next few tracks are amazing, uh, musically, Thank lyrically. You. We were having some some debates as to which which of these was was the best and, and second and third. And we kept going back and forth, saying, "No, it's it's this one. No, it's that one." And I think it's this one now. But yeah, starting with yeah. Uh, this next Glad track here, um, the section was yeah awesome. So let's get into track number five. This one is titled "Cold Wind." We're also on to the second half of the record, so let's flip it over and listen to Side B. Some will push you aside Some will leave you behind But I want you to know Time the cold wind blows, I would have been right there with you. Yeah, so I wrote Cold Wind. It must have been 2014. I had just gotten back from my first backpacking adventure, and that was in Costa Rica, actually. My first time, like, in with a backpack international with a girl who I was dating at the time. That kind of went south while we were down there. I got back to the States and I got back to LA and I'm just sitting in like this cold apartment building in downtown LA. And and uh, yeah, this kind of just came out one night. At the time, and probably for a couple of years after that, I always thought of this as like the best song I had written. I was really happy, like I was really proud of this song. That was a younger relationship for me, you know? Like that was when I was early 20s or whatever. In retrospect, you always think like, why was I like that? You know, in, in our older relationships, mm -hmm. I'm sure you had like there's those things like yeah. you're just like, why the hell did I say that or act that way? Or just overall, like, wow, I was such a little like twerp or something, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like no, no, no kidding. She like left me <laughs> or whatever. Um, 
but like there's you know so i was thinking like i've got to be better than this yeah it's just like how did i how did i let it get to this this happens all the time where i need the best but get stuck i was all fucked up and beat down but now i'm standing up Sometimes I think it's harder for us to forgive ourselves than it is to forgive the other person, you know, I think because a lot of times we focus on, you know, if someone dumps you or whatever, you kind of focus on like, what what's wrong with me? Like all this like guilt mm -hmm. of or the shame or whatever the emotion might be. And I know I have and it's a lot harder sometimes because you're just like, why the hell am I like this? Like, you don't you hate that part of yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you and you don't know for sure how they're uh, going to remember you. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. If if they walk away and uh, the last words were spoken and maybe you didn't get to share everything, and yeah. then they're just they're just out there walking around thinking something that that isn't really true, and you never really got a chance to to put them in the right place. Right, and and of course those things are the things that help us grow as people and partners. And so in retrospect, it's all part of the the plan or whatever of how we got to where we are. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it's like you know someone telling yeah. you that is not going to make it easier. Well, the chorus starts off with saying like, look, I know we all break up, people break up, people leave each other, people walk away. But it's also like the second half of that, you know, um, is kind of this like desperate but firm sentiment. Like, yeah, it's like a desperate like thing, but it's also like, this is real though. Like, hear me, you know? That every time the cold wind blows. When you wrote this song, were you wanting her back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I would have been right there with you. It's really cool to hear you set the stage with being in that apartment. One of the things that drew me in immediately on this song, you hear the cold wind blowing. That's what starts this song off mm -hmm. um, in the background and then just little things that I had to have headphones on to pick up on and it's probably my second or third time through I'm hearing you like shifting in a chair or you know you left some things in that I don't know if you that was intentional or if you know what I'm talking about but I, I hear you I moving it takes me out of the studio into that apartment the image I was trying to paint with this song was kind of like just a very cold like maybe log cabin or something mm -hmm. um with the floorboards creaking yeah you know that's probably the sounds you're mentioning i think okay the creaking yeah. floor yeah. and stuff and i was trying to go for that just like bare bones you know there's mm -hmm. only a acoustic guitar there's the ambient lead guitar and the bass there's nothing there's no frills you know it's uh just me and aj and see i wanted to leave it kind of like that bare bones that cold feeling of yeah, just like yeah, a yeah. cabin with no heat right. and the wind and i think the coyotes and like all that kind of stuff helps paint that picture a little bit. Um, it feels like we're closer to you in a in a room. Uh, you, you mentioned that when you wrote this um, at the time, you thought it was the best song you'd ever written. Yeah. I think lyrically, it's awesome. I, I, was, I made a comment here that stanza where, where it says, when the rooster crows, oh, I'm missing you with the sand in my toes or a drop of dew on a starry night, the lunar light, the coyotes cry and you should be mine tonight. I mean, that was a, a very clever way um, of saying from very early in the morning when the roosters crow uh, to to a starry night. Um, 
at the end like of the day. Like you're reading my notes over there, Shane. I, <laughs> I had that exact yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that was just a phenomenal way to um, depict what it's like to to have somebody or something um, on your mind, like all waking hours of the day. Definitely. I think your dad would be proud. And the rooster crows Whoa, I'm missing you With the sand in my toe Whoa, or a drop of dew On a starry night I, by the lunar light The coyotes cry yeah thank you <laughs> yeah that was just great very good thank you i really appreciate that i'm lucky to uh to say that uh at this point in time that girl and i are friends that's great. awesome that's great yeah. <laughs> so i guess she doesn't think of me as only that way right. but, uh, yeah, yeah. at what point did she hear this song i met her at that first farm i worked at and then she kind of was one of the people who opened me up to that the traveling way of life and stuff she was also there with a couple of her other girlfriends and um, one of whom in particular I stuck, uh, I was kind of close with, you know, throughout the years. And I ended up showing her that was always her favorite song was Cold Wind. She's like, you have to show her, you have to show her. And like, I was like, yeah, but like, whatever, give it another year, you know, and eventually she's like, I sent, I sent it to her and all she said was, uh, yeah, I really liked it. And I was oh. like, all right, <laughs> which is fine with me because yeah. I don't even like you know, if I'm referencing somebody, somebody in a song, sometimes they know it and I don't, you know, if I'm like jabbing at them or if I'm saying something that might be, might be able to be taken a little offhanded, it's like, I've moved past it. You know, it was just like a sentiment from like a while ago that I had mm -hmm. to incorporate, but I don't know. So she liked it. And, you know, even still with the, with wherever bound coming out and, you know, she appreciates it, I think. And we're at a place now where it's been like, you know, six years since <laughs> we were even together. But um, yeah, well, it's cool. It's cool to know the backstories and connect to the music even more. But I mean, like your your personal experiences with it aside, like like we've talked about, a a well written song can speak to anybody, regardless of whether or not they know the characters in the, in the past and the experience. And this is one of those that gives you that that feel, like of what it's like to to be thinking about something. Soon as the sun beams down. All around in every place Into a hole in the ground The light drowns and dissipates At the time I was, I mentioned I was studying like Eastern religions and I was really into Buddhism and studying about, you know, different sects of that and Hinduism and, you know, Zen and Taoism and, but, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the term no mind like the zen no mind like not thinking just being and like that meditation mm -hmm. and that's yeah. kind of what i was getting at here with like the second verse was as soon as the sun beams down you know with no contemplation wishing that i was able to pour out emotions without having to think about them <laughs> just get rid of them singing <laughs> thoughts with no mind to contemplate so I wish for the strength of the sun to move on and to wipe this slate. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. That, that like sheds more light on the idea that sometimes life can just be overwhelming and you feel like you're not really equipped with the tools to, to handle the situation. You would wish some higher 
power or the sun or spiritual being or whatever it would be would just like kind of take it over for you. Yeah, take it over, give you the spirit and uh, the power just to kind of be present and and let things happen. Well, like Shane said, these three songs, this one and the next two, we're always battling for my favorite and I think Shane's as well. You guys ready to move on to track six? (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, I love this one. Track six is called Tetons. The fields were flowing, the rocky mountain snow, and we pushed the car forward and made it up the hill. Immediately we saw the thing that we'd been craving The evergreens were swaying and the backdrop stayed still Man, so musically, I love this song. It just drew me in right away. That opening guitar lick, the the pace, it was like the perfect pace for kind of pushing forward and keeping going, but like not too fast, just sort of being in the moment. So I love that musically. Uh, we, we talked earlier that, that uh, I'm on a new chapter of my life out in Oregon on a, a short-term uh, work assignment. And I, I drove out here from Iowa and I only had four days uh, to make the journey out here, but it was all new territory for me and and my my adventurous spirit wanted to stop and see all the all the sights as much as i could anyway i had to bypass some stuff but i prioritized driving down and around through yellowstone and uh into the grand teton uh, national park mm-hmm. so driving through there and listening to this song really put me in the state of mind that i needed to be in to like absorb it that song in particular because it was speaking to an area that i was at but the entire album was awesome to listen to on the open road me and my thoughts and and nobody else bothering me um zoning into the music and and kind of trying to put myself in your shoes it was like like a a glimpse of life on the road and uh trying to understand um, the music awesome thank you yeah this was the second oldest song on this album this was written in 2010 after I got back to Brooklyn, New York from, I think it was my second cross-country road trip. There was two years in a row, 2010, 2011, where my friend Michael, who actually did the background vocals on this song with me, like oh, the man. high parts. I, I love that harmony. Saying that, yeah. that makes the song. That's he, you sing that word voice uh, in the song. That's so cool. Yeah. 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 At night when I oldest friends he actually was the i met matt and daniel the lead guitar and keyboardist through him we were random roommates in new york city together in 2007 and he was a musical theater major introduced me to matt and daniel but together we drove we did a month-long road trip from his house in louisville kentucky we did a big circle around the country and yeah i mean that was kind of like one of my maiden voyages to see the united states first time in many of those places and just the breathtaking national parks i'll say it there's way more of them on the west coast and in the midwest west part Mm -hmm. than there are on the east coast so you know growing up i didn't get to see those sprawling vast landscapes until he and i and uh another friend did that month-long road trip together so i was really inspired i was just trying to paint that picture of a a road trip yeah you can hear that really that's that's part of what i was uh alluding to earlier is um getting a 
a glimpse of what it would be like to be on the road because I was I was traveling and seeing this stuff on a on a time budget, which was so frustrating because I kept finding amazing places to camp and and I kept thinking, man, if I could if I could pull over here, set up my tent, and hang out until I'm ready to leave, that would just be magical, <laughs> you know, like so yeah. many places. I got a list of. 20 spots from the trip that I would just love to go back and hang out and read and listen to music or write down my thoughts and just like really connect. But I had to fly through and do it so fast um, for you to have a month just to roam around. I'm envious. I I would love to do that someday. Yeah. You know, I've always thought like I always had, I was always of the mindset that we should see our own country before we see others. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much to see right here in this country. And I don't know if people realize that, whether or not they have something against the way the government's run or if they just have something inside of them that makes them, you know, want to go to another country, which is beautiful. And they should follow that, obviously. But there's so much to see here. (laughs) I was just trying to capture that, like just the snowy drive through the Grand Teton and seeing those peaks for the first time. And, you know, there is definitely the sense of heartbreak in this song, too. That was also a personal thing for me, leaving a girlfriend and back in New York uh, and just, you know, kind of her not being there, which kind of brought me trouble. So I don't know. I was, again, just trying to balance that beauty and the the, the heartbreak into one yeah, I think you did that really well. The beginning tricks me there because it sounds like you experienced this with somebody because it's a lot of we did this and our location. And so I'm picturing people together on some journey. And then it's like several lines of us and we and, and our and then it's just the one line of, but you're 3,000 miles away. So <laughs> my my brain went on a little bit of a ride there thinking everybody was in the same place and then realizing that somebody was missing. Other parts Thanks. lyrically that stood out to me on this one, you talked about the snow and painting that landscape. The elk and the deer dance belly oh, yeah. in the snow. The buffalo, beautiful. all the wildlife. The wildlife was vibrant. The buffalo was tyrant. The elk and the deer danced ballet in the snow. And at night in the twilight, and then the, the part in the chorus where you say, "At night, when I hear your voice calling, I whisper it back to the wind." I think I thought both of those were just really great. And we t- we talked about the the harmonies, singing that word voice, and then at, right. at the end of the song, I don't know if it's two or three voices, but where it's going. Da da, da 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just put that on loop and keep listening to that. It was so, so cool. Like awesome. I just had to shut my eyes and kind of get lost in that trance. It was really cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, this was uh, Tetons was, I think we played this as a band in New York one time. So this was one of the two songs in particular that I was thinking about when I said it was an awesome privilege to be able to like, you know, 10 years later, bring them in the studio mm-hmm. to finally record it. So yeah, those, the voices at the end, that was uh, Michael and Matt um, okay. and myself, but it was just like one of those moments for us. Like, yes, we haven't done this in 10 years. Like, <laughs> so super awesome. And yeah, I could tell the, the passion behind it. Yeah, yeah was, and to capture really cool. that moment when you all get together live. Super cool, yeah. I mean, uh, the band that we were in, it was myself, Michael, Matt, 
and Daniel and my brother. That was the five of us. So this song incorporates all of them. Yeah. Daniel is on the lead guitar, Matt on the keys, and Michael singing, and then my brother on the drums. And we had AJ play the bass, and Lex, the guy uh, who I mentioned earlier, who just got who had gotten back from Africa recently, played some of the percussion. So Michael, the one I mentioned from Louisville, Kentucky, he wasn't able to come up to the studio in New York to record this, but we all knew that he had to be a part of this. So he actually went to a studio in Kentucky and sent us his tracks. Oh, okay. We kind of, uh, that was one of the little, yeah, the funny things about this song, but I think it turned out just the same whether or not he was in the studio. Yeah, yeah. And he is, he has like a music theater and I think um, opera background. Uh, he has a great voice. He he sings the high parts, and yeah, it's awesome to have him included, for sure. Was it Daniel yeah. on the guitar? Yes. Yeah, that's another part that on the chorus I think really stood out. I was getting some kind of like explosions in the sky sound of the guitars. He'll be happy to hear you say that. Yeah. yeah. Around the two minute mark in this song is one of my favorite moments musically on the whole album. It's uh, Daniel and who plays the lead guitar and Matt. Um, who plays the uh, keys they have this kind of banter between their instruments and they play off each other I just thought it was so brilliant what they did well should we move on to our other favorite Shane yeah man I, I think uh, when Trevor asked me what my favorite track on the album was I initially said Cold Wind and then I changed it to Tetons, and uh, Trevor kept saying, "No, oh, I think it, I think it's Afternoon. I think that's the best one." <laughs> we kept going back and forth. <laughs> and it's a toss-up between Tetons and this next track, which I really love as well. Track number seven. This one's titled Afternoon. Driving down the road when I saw you. It's been a while, you have been called or wrote the way I do. You were posted up in space, out against a tree. Ain't it strange the things I thought I lost came back to me that afternoon? It's funny how I noticed you. This was another great song. The the opening guitar uh, reminded me of one of my favorite songs called The Stable Song by Gregory Isakov. And uh, yeah, the, of the, the sound in general with the guitar and, and even the way you're singing it, it's more stripped down. It, it just sounds very pure. Lyrically, it's a great song as well. I, when I go through and do my deep dive with the lyrics in front of me when I'm listening with headphones, I'll pick certain lyrics that I want to make sure I, I talk about when we do our podcast. And I'll post them into my uh, document so that I remember to, to go through them. Well... I copied this entire song. I copied it from, <laughs> from start to finish and I threw it in there because I, I couldn't find like one part that really stuck out, but the whole thing I like, so I wanted to have it in front of me. Testament to that being a good song. 
What can you tell us about this one, Billy? Uh, this song was written in 2017. This is another song that I was really proud of. Again, it kind of just streamlined out of me, maybe over maybe a couple days. That's all it took, I think, for it to be complete after uh, a transition in my life with someone. I was thinking about how, you know, a lot of times what, when we're going through these hard moments in our lives with partners, a lot of times, you know, we tend to just think like, if only she'll see me again, we'll just go on with our lives. And then you see that person again. It could be, you know, a couple of weeks or months or years down the road. And not until that point do you realize like, wow, I would never want to be with this person again. Like, uh, and sometimes it takes you seeing that person again to, yeah. for that feeling to finally snap out of your head. When we get broken up with, we always feel that sense of guilt we were talking about or remorse or whatever it might be. And, but we, it happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Moving on is generally the best thing. It's not hoping and wishing for something. We, maybe we'll just get back together. It's like, no. Yeah. I think if, if you get to that point, it's natural to have those thoughts. Well, things would have been different if only this or that or in a different place or time, or maybe now and you kind of second guess it because when you were in that moment, you, you set out for it to be more than it ended up. And so like there can be that sense of guilt or, or failure or like, well, how could I have been wrong? Like I thought it was so good and it didn't work out and now we're here, but well, and you want to like keep telling yourself that you were right, but eventually you just come to that realization that, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Well, it ain't that bad. I know that game. We always learn from everything. And I'm glad I came. Right. And Up that I think way, for me, you know, like we all have, there's, we're always like this kind of big mixture of different emotions. Like, you know, in this moment when I was writing this, I had all this different, like, rage and like screw you but also at the same time being like wounded you mm -hmm. know and like so this for me was like i was like how can i write like a really pretty screw you song <laughs> like <laughs> to the best of my ability without it being super obvious that, that was the point you know for a lot of people and you know that i've noticed it's like they don't realize what it's about the first couple times they think it's just like a really pretty like slow dance song or something but if you listen to the words it's kind of like fuck you in a, <laughs> yeah. in a way like especially like the story kind of changes so i don't know i was trying to figure out how to like change the narrative from the beginning to the end without it being drastic i wrote down that it was kind of like this this idea that you can have a really strong love for someone but also kind of despise the idea of them and what like kind of state it's left you in with the whole relationship not going a certain way and like wanting that but also having to realize that it can't go on forever. And sometimes, like you said, when you see that person, everything clicks and, and you're like, okay, yeah, this is reassurance that I got to let this go. Yeah, you know? right. Like, it, it makes me think of a quote, one of my favorite quotes that a friend of mine uh, told me that her mom had, had told her when she was younger. It's that people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Yeah, I believe that too. Everyone, you know, you, we do teach each other things and people will come into your life at the exact right time. And maybe, you're, maybe you don't even realize what that reason is for in yeah, the moment, yeah, but then yeah, looking it back, it always becomes clear. Right. I was thinking about the day we ran away. Now I'll say it's better this way because it's true. I enjoyed my time with you. It's funny that you were describing it as kind of like a, a gentle 
screw you because I actually <laughs> didn't pick up on that. I, I did think it was just kind of like a really healthy way of seeing that you're going different directions. Yeah, I like that one better. I kind of saw a, a unifying theme uh, within this album between Tornado to Gypsy Girl to Cold Wind and Tetons and then Afternoon as all being centered around the idea of relationships and love and loss. I, I think the, the first two tracks set the stage for the whole album. And then we kind of get into a more specific focus here, which is relationships and people and connections. And you know, we finish with the next track that we're going to get into, which is a, a very happy, positive vibe. But it seems like this middle section, maybe there's kind of a unifying uh, aspect of those songs. Am I, am I onto something there? Is there different, different people, different characters involved? It's a good observation. I think it was more, I think overall this album deals is, was intended to deal with like a lot of the shit I've just gone through in my life as far as like with relationships and just being someone who is always moving. So it's hard to deal with, you know, either it's, it's hard to hold on to or maintain them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think overall it's that with a background of rolling landscapes and mountains because <laughs> they're both equally a yeah, part of my life. Yeah, yeah. And also afternoon, just the word is like later in the day toward the end of the album. Oh, yeah. A I didn't think bit. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think an afternoon and cold wind couldn't be next to each other. There had to be a more upbeat song in between them. But if I'm being honest, I think that afternoon is probably one of my best written songs at this point. Yeah. I think it's just like concise and to the point what I was trying to get across. Like it, there's not a whole lot of fluff to it, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, yeah. I was yeah. really nothing you could trim out. Everything yeah. has a purpose. Right. And I will say to uh, my, this is like my dad's favorite song in this album. He was kind of the judge of when this song in particular was done being mm -hmm. recorded and mixed and uh, mastered and everything. Cause I would like send him every step of the way. Like I was sending the recording and he'd be like too much violin change that here wow. change this here yeah. and then one time i sent it to him and he goes billy i think it's done and i was like all right it's done so eureka that's, we've um, got it yeah <laughs> that's, that's cool to get that validation from your dad and, and a writer and on top yeah. of that that's great yeah it's a proud moment but well yeah. we're coming to close here should we do the last song yeah yeah let's, let's do, do it. it you know we we uh we talked about five six and seven being the the part of the album that really stands out what we thought was best musically and lyrically but not taking anything away from the finishing track here which is also fantastic track number eight this one's titled we're all friends come inside bring your friends i made cookies yeah they're the best if you're not hungry i will feed you my words, yeah, to digest. Slip your shoes off your feet. Listen close and then repeat. We're all friends here. One, two, three. Woohoo! I really like that piano interlude at the beginning, and then before it gets into the guitar, you can hear that inhale or exhale the, but that the breathing kind of yeah. like cold wind that gives it that intimacy like feeling like you're you're right there before the song blows up and more people come in yeah i mean um it wasn't in, i didn't mean to do that when i you know sat down to record but i left it in intentionally after that um 
this song, like I said, was written in 2009, so definitely the oldest song on this album. And over the last 11 years, this song has definitely become like the most well-known uh, and sung songs within my whole extended friend group as far as my songs go. I mean, whenever I show up somewhere with a guitar, everyone's like, sing, we're all friends. That's like the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've had I've had a lot of really special moments over the years with this song, you know, getting to play the Maui Mystic Flow Fest in, on Maui. And cool. Uh, we held, we, a friend wrote all the lyrics of the chorus out on a sign and the whole crowd got to sing it back with us while we fed them all cookies. It was awesome. <laughs> um, I think I saw know, a sing- photo of you uh, from <laughs> somewhere and you were holding up that sign. Yep, that was oh, the on, one. Uh, Facebook, probably. I saw a photo. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, I had a really special wet, uh, moment at my friend's wedding last summer and um, getting to sing that for 200 people. Um, That's awesome. Just standing, like, I was not expecting it. Like, everyone just, like, stood up and I'm like, oh, my God. All my friends, like, the, the toughest guys are all in tears crying. I was oh, like, wow. this is crazy right now. What a moment. We're all friends Wow, Billy Teal, ladies and gentlemen! Leaving in that sigh in the beginning was just kind of like, I know this is the most anticipated song for everybody that I know on this album, and this has been a long time coming. So, you know, here we go. Hopefully no one's disappointed by the recording of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But sure. I also, you know, I intentionally kept it very basic again. I wanted to, I wanted this recording to sound like we were just sitting around a campfire on the beach or you know, in a living room or a hostel or wherever we normally sing this song. I wanted it to sound like we were there without yeah, yeah. many embellishments, you know? Yeah, I, I pictured you just sitting on the floor cross-legged with your guitar and just sort of playing and everybody singing along man i yeah i hope someday i get to sit around that fire on the beach oh, with you happen. and hear it and uh i'll, <laughs> be, I'll be singing along like yeah i want to join that one too the chorus was was so yeah. catchy um you know I, I mentioned to you earlier that that uh I, I could see this being a crowd favorite um something that the mainstream audience would appeal to because it's it's very sing-along and uh just very happy and positive and uplifting yeah thanks yeah i mean that's why i kind of wanted to i really was stoked that a bunch of my friends there's probably nine or ten of us at the end there you know all singing the chorus together and that was important Mm -hmm. to me was to end the album with this communal sing-along and you're not hungry i will feed you my words yet to digest slip your shoes off your feet listen gone through the album now there's been a lot of ups and downs and emotions (laughs) i wanted to end this album with we're all friends because no matter who we meet in our lives like whether or not they affect us in a positive or a negative way even the people who negatively affect you or so you think in that time are actually helping guide you to some place and actually you're helping guide you to where we are right now here Mm -hmm. yeah so i wanted to end it with like whatever you might have done to me or to hurt me or it's all good. We're all in this together. Yeah, I get it. I, I, like I understand. It. Like we're all friends. Like we can all just, at the end of the day, sing. Yeah, like, I really uh, like you that. Know, together. And 
the phrase um, that this song makes me think of is make yourself at home. You know, like I, I can hear my, my, yeah. my folks saying that so many times or other places I go, this song gives me that vibe. Just you and your community of people out on the road, traveling, playing music, um, being very open and accepting of differences in each other. As long as there's some, some simple groundwork of respect everybody, you know, treat, treat them like you'd like to be treated, be nice. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'll be fine. <laughs> We're all friends. Yeah. You know, I've always thought like, you know, everybody always wondered like the meaning of life. For me, it was always like, what's the point of life if it isn't just to share our stories with each other? That's mm-hmm. really what I believe. You know, maybe I'll see you in heaven or in hell, like in the first thing. <laughs> but in the meantime, like we're all here. Come inside. Like let's right. all be together. We tend to live long lives, but if in fact we should expire before that time arrives. I will find you in the clouds just to chat or say hello, or I will find you down below if that in fact is where we go. So come When I was out in Thailand working at this hostel in, in Pai, I met, I became very good friends with a group of people. We were all there together for a while. And my friend Eddie, who's also from Kentucky, I remember the first night I played this song for him and a group of people and Eddie starts like crying and he's like, this was the, f-. he's like, I never realized I wanted kids before, but now I feel like I want to become a dad. <laughs> I was like, wow. what? <laughs> That's crazy. I don't know. He's wow. also like sarcastic and like, we just like, but he like was serious, you know, he's like, <laughs> that really just like made me think about like life a lot. <laughs> and, um, he ended up, he and another girl that I met ended up getting the, the, a cookie with a bite taken out of it. And we're all friends here. One, two, three, like tattooed on their arms. And no way I was like, wow, oh, wow that's a, special. So yeah, this song yeah, is, so has cool. been special for a long time. And, um, it was definitely, I was definitely the most nervous recording this one because I knew a lot of people were waiting for it. So I hope I did an all right job yeah, in the recording of that. Great. But <laughs> all of the people on this song, for yeah, the most part, we're all old friends. You know who, who they were there when I wrote the song. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun to record it. Yeah, that's great. I wanna I wanna highlight a a, a certain section of the lyrics uh, because something something I picked up on it that was meaningful to me that that maybe uh, not everybody would uh, read into this song because it's a it's a fun sing along kind of song, mm-hmm. kind of lighthearted. But uh, that line. I made cookies. Yeah, they're the best. If you're not hungry, I'll feed you my words. Uh, yeah, to digest. So, th- like that makes me um, think what you were talking about with with sharing stories and wanting to influence people and connect with them. It's more than just come in, be a part of this family, eat food. It's be a part of us. We're going to connect uh, on a yeah. on a spiritual level as well. Welcome to the family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I like always it. thought of it as <laughs> like a. Like I always, you know, tapestry to me was always kind of like we're all friends part two with like the come over, you know, yeah, join the family sure. or whatever. Yeah. That's what I but was even texting th- Shane. Yeah, they feel I'm, like I, I wrote that me. in my notes as well. Yeah. I feel like uh, tapestry is is a perfect opening song. Come over, join the family, come on in. The middle of the album then talks about how it's not always that easy, that there's more layers to uh, joining together. Some difficult aspects of that too, but then at the end... Let's finish with that that same theme from the start, which is we're all friends here. You know, mindfulness and everything, you know, and it sound, it's also like a cliche thing, but it's like we're all people, we're all struggling, we're all going through everything in different ways, the same things in different ways. And 
more times than not, even though I may just get angry and we all make it mad and, you know, just rage or whatever in certain moments, at the end of the day, like we're, we, we're all people, we all have our struggles. We're all going through stuff. Like we can all be kind to each other, you know? And, um, actually one time when I was living on Maui, I met, I got to meet Ramdas back really quick. Ramdas and Timothy Leary were back in the day. were like best friends and co-Harvard professors. And they started, you know, learning about mushrooms and going on journeys and, Tim Leary was like the science guy and then Ram Dass was like the spiritual guy. And he's, he kind of brought Eastern religion from like India to the U S in the hippie movement of the sixties and seventies. He's kind of like the one who's responsible for bringing a lot of those teachings here as the hippie movement progressed, you know, back then. Mm-hmm. So like he wrote this pivotal book called be here now, which is talking about just, you know, being present. And I got to meet him, once on Maui, um, which was really special for me. Wow. And uh, Sweet. he, I go out for two weeks. I was like, all right, what do you say when you meet Ramdas? Cause I had my friend <laughs> who's going to like introduce me to him and stuff. So I was like, oh, God, what am I going to say to someone who just knows everything? He's like this like ascended leader, you know, like just this, he's Ramdas. Like, and I eventually was just, I went up to him and he was an old man. He had a stroke. He was in a wheelchair on the mm. beach. And, um, wow. uh, and I was just going up to him and I said, like, it's a blessing to be here with you today. And he just turns to me, he says, it's all a blessing. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so close. I thought I had the right thing to say. You know? <laughs> You're right. It is all a blessing. And that's what you have to realize. And like, wow. I don't know. Yeah, I think that words to live by. So, yeah, I think that we, there needs to be a lot more compassion for each other. Um, and just because we might have our egos and we might get fed up and frustrated and mad at people doesn't mean that like that's who we are or how we need to be you know i think so i don't know i think that and also just in all my traveling around and stuff and experiencing different cultures and meeting people that are very different than the way i live it's like at the end of the day we're all people (laughs) we're Mm -hmm. all the same we're all humans we all have the same problems and it's like that was one of the most valuable things i ever i've learned from traveling is just being open to as many cultures and experiences as you can saying yes to more things within reason be comfortable being uncomfortable being able to learn how to sleep places that you are not necessarily comfortable but it's all part of the adventure it's all going to be good as long as nobody dies everything's going to be great it's all going to be a story to talk about later no matter how brutal that night may be no matter how uncomfortable you might have been like later on it's going to be a funny or a good story i think traveling is the best education you can get seeing it all for yourself just being open, being nice, being compassionate, having empathy, you know, being kind. We're all the same. We're all one. Like, we literally are. We just are. There's something I should tell you. I think we're all connected. And not just by power lines. We all have the same hands, five finger puzzle pieces. Made for holding, made for holding on, and we grow like crops to the I really like, uh, you've mentioned a couple times about learning how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I've been thinking about that a lot. I I really like that. And yeah, I I think we learn more from the, the times that we were uncomfortable, where we were challenged and, uh, maybe in a, in a situation that wasn't very pleasant. 
um, we come out a better person on the other side because it, if you make it through, it proves to you that, okay, that wasn't so bad. And then like, it kind of opens your eyes to like new experiences, other new experiences that might be kind of scary that you would have never done before. We don't learn when we, when we stay in a comfortable, easy spot. No, definitely. I mean, one of the, one of the quotes that comes to mind that I've always lived by too, is life starts outside of your comfort zone. You know, I remember hearing that. I remember hearing that when I was a little kid and I was like, huh. And I always think about that still. Like and if you can, if you can open up to that, the, you know, the road and life will take you to some crazy places you never would have expected to go. And that's what it's all about. I think so. Billy, you've been really generous with your time. We've really enjoyed having you. It's been really special to be able to talk to the person that actually wrote these songs about what they mean. It kind of felt like we were a part of your travels as we were talking with you and listening to this music over the last several weeks. I'm really thankful for this whole experience, for for you to have reached out to us saying, hey, you might like my music, to us really liking your music and and then getting to know you and and toying with the idea of bringing you on here and then the 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 banter between the three of us back and forth texting email messenger the past few weeks or so that's been even even more valuable uh you know getting to know you as a person i think you're a deep thinker and you you got a lot of awesome stories and perspectives on life so um this this time we've spent together here has has been uh very impactful even like beyond the music so Thanks for your time. It's been it's been a blast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor, and um, it was really nice for me to you know revisit all the songs and the memories. And uh, thanks for giving me that platform. And I just wanted to say you know thank you also to everyone along the way who's you know given me a couch or a bed or a place to stay and or point me in the right direction. I owe a lot of people a lot, and uh, you know I just wanted to you know, say thank you to everybody. And, um, especially you guys for having me on here. It's been awesome. Absolutely. And Billy, where all can people find your music? We were listening on Spotify. I think these last few weeks, where else can people go to learn more about you? Yeah, it's pretty much anywhere you can find music, Apple music, Spotify, you know, um, YouTube. Um, my Instagram is redwood underscore palm tree. Um, I have, there's a Billy Shields music Facebook page. Um, and yeah, pretty much yeah, anywhere. I have a website, billyshields.com, if anyone's interested in looking at that. Other than that, yeah, that's about it, I think. Perfect. Well, I'll leave some links to some of those in the show notes. And then, Billy, anybody else that you mentioned that's a musician, that's a friend, that ha- is working on something or you think might be relevant, I'll I'll uh, take those from you and we'll put those in the show notes as well for people to check out. Well, thank you. And likewise, and I hope one day we get to all meet up and play some music, go to some concerts yeah do something that'd be i look forward to that day that will be awesome awesome, yeah on that note i think we'll wrap it up here until next time go listen to a great album if you're enjoying listening to album divers you can support our podcast by subscribing reviewing and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music follow and connect with us on facebook and instagram at album divers we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or had never heard before do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering music that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time. <laughs>